Uh, let's read this uh, together. It's just a real brief verse. Uh, well, two of them, actually. Can you read them out loud with me? A whisperer separates the best of friends. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know that's right. <laughs> now look what it says in 1 Peter 4. Read it with me. But let none of you suffer as a busybody in other people's matters. Well, that's a pretty strong word, isn't it? All right, it's going to be good tonight. Tell your neighbor, grab your toes, get ready. It's going to be good, but it's going to hurt a little bit. All right, and uh, while, uh, right before we get into this, I wanted to tell you a couple of things coming up. Next week, we're going to have movie night. We're going to show a Christian film uh, called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. How many of you have seen that? Oh, no. Well, come and just amen it anyway. Um, people have s said because it had witch in it, well, is that, is that a Christian movie? It's from a book by C.S. Lewis. It's very much a Christian movie, uh, powerful. We're going to have... Uh, we're going to have popcorn, hot dogs, soft drinks. None of that is going to be eaten or drank in here. You can, you can, you can have it out there. Uh, but uh, you can also watch the movie in the foyer if you want to. But this is now holy ground. It's holy ground. And so, uh, but I want to encourage you to bring your family next week. It's going to be a, just a good uh, church family time. We're taking a little break in between uh, series then the week after, we're going to begin a series on prayer. Now, how many of you know, tell the truth now, that you really feel like God wants you praying more? And how many of you can say with me, it's a battle? How many of you can say, I get a good case of the don't want to's a lot of the time? All right. We're putting together a, a turning point prayer guide. It's going to be a laminated prayer card. And everybody who comes to the series is going to get one. It's on the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to take about three weeks, and I'm going to teach uh, praying through the Lord's Prayer in a way that maybe you've never heard, and we're going, to, we're going to pray together on Wednesday nights. Then, some of you have been wondering, well, are you going to do away with prayer on Tuesday nights? Yes. Are you doing away with prayer? Well, of course not. We're switching it because we couldn't get hardly anybody to come out on a Tuesday night. I think it's gas and a lot of things. Nobody wants to be in the traffic at 6.30 in the evening, and so we're going to grab you when you're already here, and we're going to have pre-service prayer times, and we're going to have about uh, around an hour of prayer before the services. We're going to have prayer captains, prayer leaders, and uh, Charles Spurgeon used to call that, uh, he, Charles Spurgeon, the great London preacher in the uh, 19th century, uh, called it his prayer oven because about 100, 200 people would get downstairs in, uh, uh, in his church in the basement and they would pray up those services. And that's one of the reasons Spurgeon had so many conversions in his services. And so just to economize things, we're going to get you when you're here. You may need to come a little bit early. You will, need, you will have to come a little bit early if you want to be involved. But I want to see something tonight. How many of you feel like God has called you to be a part of prayer ministry. Let me see. Stand up if you're called to be a part of prayer ministry. Now, you know, I can't tell you how encouraging that is to me. I mean, that is encouraging. And I want to talk to you. Now, don't sit down yet. I'm talking to you. I want to really look at you and talk to you here. We need you. I'm going to need leaders. I don't want to appoint an hour before prayer and have two people come. 
I'm going to need some people. Now, you don't have to do it every time. Matter of fact, we may do a sign-up sheet where we cycle, where we expect you to be there, uh, you know, once a month for sure, but you can come every time if you want to. And I want the care leaders to be involved, the care groups to be involved, and we're going to begin to bombard heaven for heaven's blessing. And so we'll do that. We're going to, we're going to, set the, we're going to get the classroom for it. We're going to set the time. We're going to set the leaders in, and it'll be in the next few weeks. The beginning is going to be starting Wednesday after next, and everybody's going to get one of these prayer cards, and we're going to learn to pray through this thing because it covers every aspect of life. It is the Lord's Prayer. So that's what's coming. I want to give you a heads up, and if that excites you, give the Lord a hand of praise tonight. Amen. Amen. I need prayers. Amen. God bless you. All right. And uh, if you need a book tonight, this is the final class. And I tell you, I was more merciful than I ever thought I would be. But if you need a book tonight uh, for this last class on gossip and slander and the power of the tongue, raise your hand and we're going to get you a book. Raise your hand. Now, if you got a, a book at home and you forgot to bring it, don't you dare raise your hand. That gives you two books. But... If you don't have one, if you've not gotten one, there you go. And we're going to finish out tonight teaching chapters 11 and 12. And um, this Sunday, we're going to be ministering on Too Good to Be True. I want you to say with me, Too Good to Be True. Is anything too good to be true in this world? Oh, yeah. So how many of you have said recently, I knew that was too good to be true? Have you ever have you said that recently? I knew that was too good to be true. Well, we're going to talk about it Sunday. All right, let's talk tonight. We're going to have one strong, stout chapter and then one chapter, the final chapter, we're going to talk about the blessing that comes from speaking rightly. How many of you have realized there is power in what you say? Do you realize that you can wipe out a relationship with what you say? You can, you can hurt yourself with what you say. You can Listen, there, <clears throat> there is tremendous power in the tongue. Now, let's look at another uh, another sin of the tongue, and that is whispering or being a whisperer. A whisperer is uh, mentioned in the Scriptures. We read the verse. A whisperer separates the best of friends. Now, look what it says. A whisperer is somebody who tells secrets and sows discord one person at a time. The word whisperer comes from the same Hebrew root as a talebearer. What's a talebearer? Somebody who goes around bearing tales, telling stories about other people. All right? Now, it's easy to spot a whisperer in action because they're whispering. They're whispering. Uh, they usually begin with statements like this, and you'll probably recognize this. I probably shouldn't even be telling you this, but... When, you, when somebody says that to you, they probably shouldn't be telling you. I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but you ought to know right then they probably shouldn't be. Now, here's another one. Such and so would kill me if she knew I told you this. That's a whisperer. Or how about this one? You won't tell such and so that I mentioned this, will you? In other words, I know I just did wrong. I know I just broke a confidence. And so I hope you won't tell on me. The carpet makes it even quieter in here. The carpet makes it even quieter. 
Now, how many of you realize the Word of God will meddle with your stuff? That's why a lot of people don't want to read it. That's why a lot of people go to churches that never quote it because they don't want the Word messing with their business. But I'll tell you, the Word will mess with you in a good way. It'll heal you and fix you. Now, a whisperer passes on evil reports to others behind closed doors. Whisperers are stealth assassins, one-on-one reputation destroyers. They're not out there saying things in open public. They are one-on-one specialists. They call people aside, and the, the word is much like what they do, whisper. They call you aside because they know if they say it in the open, they're going to get busted. So they say it quietly, stealth-like behind closed doors. Solomon warned that a whisperer can even destroy best friendships. I've seen it happen so many times in churches in 25 years of pastoring. I've seen so many times uh, friendships destroyed, church relationships destroyed. Uh, The best of friends parted because whispering got involved, gossip, rumor mongering, uh, breaking confidences, things like that. You know, what you say has has so often is like a boomerang. You think you said it and it's just going to disappear into space, but it gets out there a ways. And if you've ever thrown a boomerang, it looks like it's going to keep on going and it hits a certain angle and suddenly it turns and begins to come back. And that's exactly the way the wrong kind of words do. You throw them out there and you think it's gone, but all of a sudden to your shock and dismay, it has turned around and it's moved through the body of Christ or through the family or through the workplace and it has come back and it smacks you upside the head because you have somebody coming up to to you going, did you say that? Did you break that confidence? Did you go and tell what I told you in confidence? Did you tell my stuff to people? And And you're busted. Now King David knew what it was like to be victimized by a whisperer. He knew. Look what he wrote in Psalms 41.7. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they devise my hurt. Now, uh, Matthew Henry is one of my favorite commentators, and I loved what he said about this. He said, quote, They whispered together against him, speaking those things secretly in one another's ears, which they could not for shame speak out openly, knowing that if they did... It would be proven wrong. And that's what a whisperer does. They say what they're going to say secretly because they know if they say it uh, openly, part of what they're saying or the angle they're giving to it or the, the way they're skewing it is going to be proven false. And so that's why they call you aside to whisper it in your ear. They don't want it to be publicly known. Whisperers and backbiters are put together among the worst of sinners in Romans one twenty nine. When Paul describes the fallen civilizations of the past, and he gives us a list of the character uh, attributes of these people, and they were bad. Their their character was rotten. And look what he uh, lumps the whisperer with. They were full of envy and jealousy. These people who God judged were full of envy and jealousy, murder, strife, deceit, and treachery, ill will, and cruel ways. They were, read it with me, everybody, secret backbiters. That's a whisperer, secret backbiters, and gossipers, slanderers. Now, the negative that our culture puts on whispering or gossiping is not near as bad as what God's Word puts on it. 
Matter of fact, in our culture, gossip, you pay for gossip. You, you, you give big money to buy gossip. You buy gossip magazines. You, you buy uh, or you watch gossipy television shows. I mean, there's big money in gossip. But God's word is so strong against gossip and whispering and backbiting. Look at this. Notice that whispering, secret backbiting, is lumped in with murder, deceit, treachery, and cruelty. How many of you can say, there's been a time in my life where I was the victim of whispering? I found out something was going, going around about me, and I couldn't believe it when I heard it, and, and, and it hit me. And, you know, it's this feeling of, what, what can I possibly do? Because once it's out there, you can't do a thing about it. It's out there, and you can't stop it. It's, it's a helpless feeling. So when somebody whispers about you, it's cruel because you can't stop it. You can't do a thing about it. And so Matthew Henry states again, there is seldom whispering, but that there is lying or some other mischief on foot. Anytime somebody takes you aside to whisper, I want you to remember I said this. There is a motive. They've got a motive, and their motive is to destroy that person. You say, well, it doesn't happen in the church. Oh, dear, where have you been? What church are you going to? I want to go. Because <laughs> it happens in churches. I know I've said it almost every time, but they say churches have a grapevine. Ernest and Julio Gallo would envy. Okay? Uh, the church has a major grapevine, and somebody's going to have to stop it. Uh, and the only thing that will stop is spiritual maturity. The only thing that will stop it is realizing what God says about it and, and saying, I'm not going to get involved in that. Because whispering is cruel. And when somebody whispers, when somebody calls you aside, let me give you a little secret here. When they call you aside to whisper in your ear, they're already taking you for a fool. They've already decided that your spiritual maturity is not of a level that you're going to be offended. So that ought to offend you. They're already deciding that, that you're carnal. They're already thinking you're carnal and, and, and you're not going to be bothered by whispering that you don't have the spiritual sense to say no to it. So they're not paying you a compliment when they call you aside to whisper to you about somebody else. They are assuming you're going to take it and that they're safe with you. Selah. Pause and calmly think of that. So when somebody calls you aside to whisper, you can know, A, they don't think much of your spirituality. B, they are whispering in order to hurt another person. And so that's, that's the ministry of a whisperer. And, uh, boy, they abound. They abound in the workplace. They abound in the church. They, they're, they're anywhere that people allow them to continue their practice. And so uh, just let somebody come to you and whisper, and you say to them, you know, I just don't think that I really need to hear that. You just did the church a huge favor. Or your home or your workplace. Don't be brought into somebody else's drama and don't become somebody else's weapon whereby they might hurt another person. Now, let's talk about the busybody. A busybody, everybody say busybody. I like that word. I like busybody. Busybody. What is a busybody? I couldn't believe that a busybody was a little bit different from the whisperer. A busybody is somebody who digs up evil reports and personal information. That's the busybody. Gossips and busybodies feed off of each other. 
The busybody digs up the slanderous information while the gossip is happy to spread it. We might say that the busybody is the getter of the goods. Whisperers whisper and busybodies dig. You know what busybodies are like? They're like bees that gather pollen from many different flowers to carry to the hive. And they flit from person to person and they're experts at extracting information that is loaded. Busybodies continuously fish for private information about other people. How many of you have ever known a busybody? If you haven't known one, hang around. I mean, you're going to meet one sooner or later. Watch this. Here's, here's the busybody's opening lines. Just, just an example. I don't mean to pry, but I heard blah, blah. Is it true? Now, when they say I don't mean to pry, they mean to pry. <laughs> when they say I don't mean to pry, they mean to pry. Now, I have such a burden for Mary, and that's the only reason I'm asking. It's spiritual. It's a burden from the Holy Ghost. My question is of God. I'm just wanting to know so I can pray. And they pray. They pray on their next person, and then they pray on their next person, and then they pray on their next person. <laughs> or how about this one? I have such a burden. Well, let's go back just a little bit. I have such a... If we can... Mm, I, there we go. All right. I just want to know so I can, so I can pray. I've got such a burden. Or here's a good one. Joe and Sue sure seem to be tense about something at church Sunday. Did you notice how tense Joe and Sue were? And are they, are they getting along? I'm just asking because I've got an intercessory prayer ministry for marriages. So they just looked real tense to me. And, and see, who they approach are people who are on the inside, who have an inside track, and they know they do. So they approach to get the loaded information. They're busy bodies. They're visiting the different flowers, the different people, so they can gather loaded information because that's what busy bodies do. Busy bodies artfully couch their mischievous digging under the guise of concern, spirituality. But as surely as the sun rises, everybody read this with me, they will broadcast what they hear. They will. It says in the Bible that the spiritually mature person can be trusted with a secret. The busybody can't be trusted with anything. That's why I tell you, gossip, yeah, you ought to gossip. Gossip the gospel. Gossip the gospel. Around 95% of people gossip the gospel until you know them really well. I just don't want to see you get burned by telling a busybody something that's none of their busybody business and have them go out and broadcast what you told. You don't want it out there. You know, Kathy and I have a little saying, say, you know, uh, um, you got to be careful what you tell people because there's some people you can tell, you might as well put it on the front page of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram or the Dallas Morning News. Might as well put it on the Internet. You, listen, believe me, with most people, you've got to use wisdom. Everybody say the word wisdom with me. Now, I'm not trying to teach you to be afraid of people, but I am trying to teach you to be wise around people. Busybodies are expert at extracting information that they have no business knowing about. They're not a part of the problem or a part of the solution. So, you know, here's what you do with a busybody. Just stay general. 
Well, they, they, they might have looked a little tense to me, Sunday. Just pray for them. Well, do, do, do you know what it might be about? So I can specifically pray. No, I, you know, I don't have a clue. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. Hallelujah. Don't have a clue. And use wisdom because not everybody can be trusted with information. If you know that's true, say praise God. God warned that we were not to suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. How do you suffer as a busybody? Here's how you suffer. The busybody extracts information. The busybody broadcasts the information. And it goes around like that boomerang, and it comes back, and it hits them in the face. When they experience wrath and anger and hurt and pain for what they did with their information. That's how you suffer as a busybody. It comes back to bite you. I really believe the older I get, the more I come to the conclusion, the less you say, the better. The less you say, the better. Uh, more times than not, wisdom with words is, is to say no words. Hallelujah, God is good all the time. Isn't God good? He's answering so many of my prayers. I love Jesus. Jesus is my Savior and Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is good. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes on Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And just leave it there where they either love the Lord or they're going to get away from you. Amen. Now, uh, there is one word, one last word I want to bring out that you've probably never heard uh, mentioned, and that's prating. And I only found prating one time, but if you've ever been bitten by prating, then you know what, what, what I'm talking about here. Uh, prating is found in 3 John, verse 10, where John writes, So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing. Now he's talking about a false teacher who had gotten in among them. I will call attention to what the false teacher is doing, prating against us with malicious words. What is prating? Prating means to bring unjustified charges against or to traffic in unfounded rumors. That's what a prater does. A prater brings unjustified charges or traffics in rumors that have never been proven true. Now, if you've ever been charged with something unjustified, or you've ever been the subject of a rumor that had never been proven, there was no basis for it, you know how a praetor can burn you. And the Bible says, don't involve yourself in prating. Don't spread a rumor. We've talked about this for weeks now. If you hear a rumor, you need to go to the source. And usually the source won't fess up anyway, but if you do get to the source, say, is it true? Find out if it's true. And don't just spread an unjustified rumor. Now, Jesus advised that instead of pointing the finger at others in an unbiblical way, we should focus on the two-by-four in our own eye. Didn't he? This cuts straight to the chase concerning those who meddle in other people's affairs. If the busybodies and the whisperers and the praters would invest half as much time in their own spiritual walk as they do in discovering the problems of others, wouldn't their lives be vastly improved? I mean, hey, if we could just take the power that we use with gossip and turn it to witnessing to people about Jesus, we'd be in revival. Amen? All right. Now I want to talk to you about the power of words, the good power of words, the positive use of words.
The key to a blessed life, here it is. Read this with me. If you want a happy, good life, keep control of your tongue and guard your lips from telling lies. Now let that sink in. Do you believe the Word of God is true? Do you believe the Word of God is psychologically accurate? That it understands your brain, your soul. Now look what it says. If you want to be happy, how many of you in here want to be happy? Would you notice now, Peter doesn't say, if you, want, if you want happiness, make a bunch of money, get a bigger house, get a nicer car, live on a different street, work in a different place, live in a different state. That is not what he said. He did not attribute happiness to anything out here. Peter attributed happiness to what comes out of your mouth. He attributed happiness to what is in you. He said, you can be happy no matter where you are. Just learning to control your tongue will have a whole lot to do with you experiencing, look what he says, a happy, good life. Wow. Now, is that what America, is that what American philosophy would tell us? No. It says if you achieve the American dream, you're going to be happy. If you make millions of dollars, you're going to be happy. If you become a corporate executive, you're going to be happy. But corporate executives blow their brains out all the time. And they're on all kinds of pills and all kinds of alcohol and all kinds of drugs. So obviously, things, stuff, materialism doesn't make you happy. Well, what is the Bible answer? Because I believe the Bible is the greatest book on happiness ever written. The Bible is the greatest philosophy book ever written. And look what it says. So if you want a happy, good life, who would have ever thunk it? Keep control of your tongue. Wow. And guard your lips from telling those lies. Now, here's another version. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good. <laughs> I love that. Here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. And your days will fill up with good. Amen, Pastor Jeff. Hallelujah. I'm witnessing to this. Praise God. Man, y'all's wheels are rolling where I can hear the humming. I can hear the gear teeth clicking. It's the carpet. Now, this is the incredible flip side of the power of the tongue. We, we've spent now 11 chapters on the negatives. Look at the positive. The tongue can be an instrument of blessing, literally making our days on earth joyful and blessed. Jesus said, once you have realized these things, what things? The teachings of Scripture. Once you've realized what Scripture teaches, you will find your happiness in doing them. Jesus used the word happy. You will find happiness in doing them. Let me tell you all where happiness comes from. Happiness comes from a soul in tune with and right with God. Happiness springs from obedience. Now, we, we would think the opposite. Well, if I could just go do what I wanted, when I wanted, where I wanted, then I'm going to be happy. But no, happiness comes from obedience to the Word of God. The more obedient you are, the more you're going to sense the joy of the Lord springing up from your spirit. I want you to remember that you heard that. If you're a, if you're a kind of a peripheral believer and you got one foot in the world and one foot in God, you are, of all people, more than likely most miserable. You can't have the best of both worlds. 
You can only have the best of one. That's the way God made us. And so God says, if you're obedient and you dive in to Jesus Christ head first, all the way, launch into the deep and sell out and become a totally committed follower of Jesus Christ and obey him in, in, in everyday stuff, in, in every hour of every day, obey him to the best of your ability, stay right with him, you will find the joy of the Lord springs up from your heart. If you walk in a so-so, mediocre Christian life, you're going to find you don't have joy. You're just kind of getting by. You're going along to get along. David the psalmist declared that great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. Great peace have those who do the word. Uh, Listen, at nights, If I want to sleep, like I just took 10 tranquilizers, I read the Bible. I read the Bible until it just lullabies me to sleep. And I have sweet dreams. Because the word of the Lord, David said, is the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. And so remember, it's not just hearing a message like tonight. You can hear this. You can walk out here and say, "Good good message, Pastor Jeff. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You made me laugh, you know joke or two and I enjoyed it love the carpet see you later God bless and you go out and you don't do what you heard you don't mix it with faith it's not going to do you any good you wasted your gasoline and wasted your time stay home if you don't intend to do it but if you do it you're going to find the joy of the Lord according to James 125 True happiness comes when we practice the Word of God. Let's read what James said. But the man who looks steadily at the perfect law of freedom and makes that his habit, not listening and then forgetting, but actively putting it into practice, will be what, everybody? Happy in all that he does. So if you want a happy pill, I'll give you a happy pill. Here's a happy pill. You can't get arrested for this one. Here's a happy pill. A happy pill is, what is God telling you to do? Do it. That's a happy pill. Is there anything he's told you to do that you haven't done? That's a sad pill. What is he telling you to do? Do you need to forgive somebody? Do you need to get a habit out of your life he's been talking to you about? Do you need to confess some sin to him that you've been ducking and dodging and not wanting to have to confront God about. Listen, God doesn't want to hurt you. God doesn't want to make your life miserable. God wants, obviously, we've read the word happy three times now out of the word of God. He wants us blessed and happy. As a matter of fact, blessed means happy and to be envied. You can be so happy, people envy you. How happy do you want to be? That's how happy you're going to be. How happy do you want to be? Well, I like just enough happy to get me by. That's all you're going to have. Enough happy to get you by. But if you want it bubbling up, springing up into everlasting life where there really is a skip in your step and a smile on your face and a gleam in your eye, I'm telling you it comes from practicing the Word of God, doing it, And it releases the joy of the Lord in your heart. You can't get away from it. Obedience brings happiness. 
stop and think a moment now about everything we've learned. The Bible does not say that we cannot speak truthfully about somebody. And I'm going to tell you, let's be clear on that. It doesn't say you can't speak truthfully about somebody. It doesn't say that at all. Uh, it says that we should not try to destroy them, lie about them, or otherwise harm them by what we say. That's the wrong kind of talk. There's times you've got to be honest about people. You know, if I had a false teacher come into our church, if I did, I don't, they'd have to hide way out there because the word is too strong in here. But if I had one come in and I confronted them and they would not submit to what I told them about the false teaching, I would have no problem going to some of you who may be around them and saying they are teaching false doctrine. I would do it. You got to do it. You've got to pick fruit. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. How do you know if a piece of fruit's got worms in it or not unless you pick it and look at it real close? Well, there's a worm. You don't see the worm from 20 yards away. So, if, if there, so there's times you've got to tell the truth about people. What we've been learning is don't misuse your power of words to intentionally harm somebody. Okay? Now, we are to speak the truth in love, not in hatred, not in malice, not in revenge. Sometimes difficult but truthful things have got to be said about other people, but always with their restoration and healing in view. And I'll tell you, if somebody did come in here teaching false teaching, um, I'm a shepherd, and I'll tell you what, my staff would be out and I'd be swinging it to protect you. So I would call wrong, wrong, but I would still be hoping to restore the false teacher. Okay? The misuses of the tongue are these. I want you to read them with me and that we're wrapping things up now. This is what we've seen in 11 chapters. Gossip, tail-bearing, spreading an evil report, slander, whispering, being a busybody, and prating. Those are all adjectives describing wrong use of words. But the positive uses of the tongue are, read it with me, words of blessing, encouragement, speaking scripture, words of kindness, gentle words, words of affirmation, love, and respect. And if that's what you use words for, the Bible says you're going to have good days. And you're going to enjoy life. Amen. In closing, let's read a few powerful promises from the book of Proverbs on the power of words. And let's stand and do it, can we? These are so good. Proverbs is so loaded with this kind of stuff. Read them with me. The tongue of the wise is choice silver. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. The tongue of the wise promotes health. Wow. Isn't that powerful? There's health in your words. Here's another one. A soft, gentle answer turns away great anger. I'll tell you a quick story. Hang on one, one second. Uh, my friend, George Teske in East Texas, he's in his 80s now. He's been walking with God a long time. And he's on a, he owns the Blue Barn Christian Retreat Center out there in East Texas. And this week he told me, He's got, across the way from his retreat, he's got a place for RVs. 
And somebody had an RV over there who had a pit bull. And this pit bull attacked somebody who was staying in his uh, uh, retreat center. And this, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't somebody staying at the retreat center. It was somebody who lived on, on their road. The pit bull attacked them. And so this person who lived on their road came storming into the retreat center where there was a crowd of people there for a retreat and George was serving them food. And this man came storming in, yelling and screaming at, every, at George who was standing there who didn't own the pit bull, who didn't know what had happened. I mean, the, the guy hadn't been hurt real bad. It just he, he felt threatened. And the whole retreat just came to a, a standstill. Everybody in the room went mute. Nobody knew what to say because he's screaming and yelling. So George just stood there. He said, I'm praying in the Spirit. I didn't know what to tell him. I didn't know if he had a gun. I didn't know what he was going to do. And when he was finally all done, I just held out my hands and said, take my hands. We're going to pray. And the guy looked more shocked than if George had pulled a 12-gauge and put it right in his face. And he kind of held out his hands, and George said, oh, Jesus, take care of that pit bull. Take care of my friend. And the guy just melted and walked out the door. <laughs> and I was just sort of like, whoa. And so what did he do? A gentle answer turns away great anger. All right? Here's another one. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And then, of course, the best-known one. This is out of the Message Bible, Proverbs 18, 21. Let's read it. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. That's the best verse I could find to end this series on. You choose death or life. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. And we pray your blessing on this church. Lord, I have such an anticipation over what is coming, such an anticipation over what you're doing. And Lord, we need wisdom. We need spiritual maturity. We don't want to fall into the snare of the whisperer or the talebearer or the gossip or the slanderer or the praetor or any of them. We want to have wisdom, Lord, so that the maximum anointing of God can rest on this church. Now, with your heads bowed, I want you to take that last verse we quoted. Words of death, words of life. You choose. And I want you to pray. And make up your mind that if words are being spoken in the home that bring death, we've all done it. We've all been there. There's no condemnation. But why not tonight say... I'm going to choose life. I'm going to turn my tongue towards life. If you've been involved in gossip or whispering in the workplace, why not just say, I'm going to turn a deaf ear and I'm going to turn my tongue towards words of life, even if it means I'm ostracized from certain groups and cliques whose very existence revolves around slander and gossip. If you're saying some things in your marriage that are bringing death, why not choose words of life? Just tell yourself, I'm the master of my tongue. Nobody can make me say anything I don't want to. 
Choose life. Choose life. Affirming words, loving words, uncritical words, encouraging words. And don't let the enemy get your home in a snare by what you say. And I just sense, too, that there's some friendships in here. And you've been friends a while. So long that you know each other so well that that familiarity has bred a little bit of contempt in the sense that you're beginning to talk to each other in a way that is not helpful. Why not choose life? Choose words of life. And don't let a great friendship be destroyed by whispering and rumors and gossip and painful words. Take a minute and I want you to pray over any area where you feel you need the most help in the power of words as we just worship for a moment. Thank you, Lord.